Grabbing my beers back in two minutes. Welcome to Tanked Up, the once again number one transatlantic craft beer and video game podcast. I'm Ben Nother, and I'm joined once again by two very lovely people. Firstly, over in Canada, across the Atlantic Ocean, Mr. Adel Kerji. Hey, hey. Hey. And joining me from the UK, Miss Lucy Eward. Hello. Sadly, nowhere as illustrious. As Canada, just no. Uh, I, I'm in Saskatoon, so it's not exactly illustrious. <laughs> it's in the flattest province of the country, and the one that it, it's basically just a rectangle. Okay, like they just arbitrary lines in yeah, the middle. Yeah, they of went, went crazy with their borders. Well, there was there's no like actual land features that would suggest this would be a good border. Sure, like, sure. So it's just uh, this rectangle. Nice. Good. Uh, so yeah. we're going to drink some beers. We've all got different beers this week. Um, Adel is going to be featuring, I assume, some Canadian beers um, for the first time in quite a while. So Adel, why don't you start us off? What's your first beer going to be? Well, seeing as I'm in the, the middle of the prairies, I thought I would have a Canadian Prairies Week. And the first one I'm going to drink is actually from the province to the east, uh, which is Manitoba. And it is the Farmery Can- Blonde Canadian Pale Ale. For those of you at home, and by that I mean you, you too. It's got a lovely <laughs> blue and sort of beige yep. can. And it is unfiltered, uncompromised. Brewed with good old farmer common sense. Hashtag our beer starts here. And that's really all it says. And it's from Nipua, Manitoba. Cool. And again, it's a Blonde Canadian Pale Ale, which I don't know what that means. I oh, should discover soon. Uh, Lucy, what's your first beer? My first beer is called Blackbird, and it's from Brussels Beer Project. So it is 6.1%, and it's a black rye saison. Uh, nice, black funny. rye saison. Yeah, pretty weird. You had anything? So mm. I, I, I'm going to spoil something, mm. um, but it's just my, my second beer is from Black Ridge Brewery instead of Black Bird, but it is also a rye ale. Oh, okay. Is it Ooh, a black? A little. A little. No, it's just a regular yeah. rye. We, we, we will get into the details of that one later. Nice. But, um, nice. Uh, you get that one open, Lucy, and I'm going to tell you what I'm drinking first. I am going to go with the Dea. Brewing Company, Yay. Steady Rolling Man. It's a pale ale, 5.2%. In a nice big 500ml can. Is this one you've had before, Lucy? Yeah. 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 I did I did look for Dea on your recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, they suggest, a little bit of flavour text for you. Steady Rolling Man, our pale ale. Inspired by the ridiculously tasty hoppy beers we fell for, we got brewing our own version over and over again while listening to the blues greats. The heady concoction of old-time blues records and juicy American hops transfixed us from the start, and the steady rolling man was born in these sessions. Incredibly soft and delicate, with intense tropical fruit hop aromatics and saturation. This is our version of the perfect pale ale. Ooh. Oh. So let's see, is it perfect? 
I think it's pretty much close to it, but see what Ooh, you think. Nice, nice. That's maybe really want this. Um, we'll jump back to you, Adil. How's the uh, how's the farmers? It's um, I cannot. It's got a slight sort of soury tartiness to the nose, just slight soured. Um, and a little bit of I don't know citrus. Um. It's really, the mouthfeel is really quite excellent. It just has light velvetiness, and then it dries out quite a, a little bit. Okay. But overall, it's still a watery finish. It just sort of has this sort of dip right before the finish. Um, it's quite tasty. It does sort of seem like just a, a good old-fashioned beer, which is what it claims to be on the bottle. Excellent. Or the can, I should say. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing jumps out, um, but it's just a very smooth, Pale ale, and I suppose that's a blonde Canadian pale ale to a tea. Yeah. Um, nice, nice. Uh, Lucy, this is quite an enigma. This one, it's it looks like a stout. It's got it's very it's opaque. It's almost mm. black, very very dark, really dark. Yeah, with a slightly brownish head on it as well. But um, yeah, it, when I was smelling it before I poured it. Just out of the bottle, it, it very much smelled like a saison. It's got that little bit of spice and, you know, a bit prickly in your mm. nostrils. But uh, when you pour it, it's a bit carbonated. It's quite light. Can't tell it's 6.1%. But yeah, you're getting a lot of the spice and quite a maltiness as well from it. It's, I, th- I think I've had a black saison before. Okay. And, and they're quite, they're quite strange to kind of, uh, describe. It's because it's sort of in the middle of being, you know, a, a bit a bit funky and a bit, you know, getting that hoppiness from as a saison, mm. but also it tastes you got that, you know, bit earthy and oaky notes from like like you'd have in a stout or something. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, a mix between the two. Mm. Like a very, you imagine a saison to be quite a nice light beer, yeah. and a stout to sort of be a little bit heavier um, and have those earthy sort of notes. And so to try and push those two together. I can imagine is quite a, a an odd yeah, flavor. Yeah, it's strange. Um, but you you probably just think it's you know like a black IPA if you if you didn't okay. say Bryce's on on the bottle. But it's interesting. It actually works. I mean, it's quite a pleasant beer to drink. Not too heavy, quite light. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. So you can get your hands on nice. that one. Try it. Yeah, nice. The Daya, the steady rolling man. Mm. It's. It's quite hoppy for a pale ale, I think. Um, you're getting a lot of the sort of a floral, quite a fruity sort of note on the nose. Adult, I'd compare it to uh, like a, a, an Arbor pale ale. You're getting that, that hoppiness through on the nose. Maybe not quite hmm. as heavy as an Arbor, um, but it's definitely got that similar kind of notes in the nose. Good, bad. And What's your... Flavour wise, mm. it's nice. Yeah, it is. It is a pale ale completely. Mm. Uh, it's not too hoppy. There's a lovely bitterness towards the end. It's a little dry. Doesn't sit with you too long. You're getting those sort of floral and, and fruity notes. I can't pick anything out because it's it's sort of a nice mixture of of, of things. Really, mm. um, there's nothing really that massively stands out. Yeah, I don't think that's good. It's, it's one of those. Um... Just like you know, it's a it's a solid, you know, IPA because you know it's the most popular like style of beer and people doing wacky things to it. It just felt like 
this is just going back to basics and it's just a nice yeah. IPA. But yeah, they are, I mean, they're, they're getting really big now, like, in terms of popularity with the mm. hotheads and everybody. Yeah, there's another beer that they do. I think it's called Honey Be Good, but it's... <laughs> nice. It's, I think it's a honey IPA. And, well, a lot of breweries are starting to experiment with honey as well, so... But that's yeah, another nice yeah. one, but... Yeah, I'm Get glad you enjoy it. Sweetness in there. Yeah, it's, it's like you say, I mean, steady, steady rolling man, steady really is kind of the standout word for this. It is a nice, steady kind of flavour. And as you say, Lucy, it is almost kind of back to basics. It's just sort of highlighting a nice combination of hops, really, to give you a very nice sort of florally, fruity kind of flavour. So, mm, it's good. Right. Games. Let's talk about some games. I think I'll start this week as I've let you two sort of go. But I will pose a question. Which would you rather hear about? I've played two games. Uh, the first is Mad Max. Okay. And the second is Wolfenstein, the Old Blood. Ooh. Uh, both. I would say talk about Mad Max. I think um, Old Blood had quite the um, critical and, I think, general success. Well, Mad Max seemed to have flipped it off the radar, but a lot of people liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember. Was it last week or the week before when we sort of mentioned Mad Max and that it had released... Yeah. Almost the same week as, I and mean, we couldn't remember whether it was The Witcher 3 or later in the summer with Metal Gear Solid, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, as you say, Adam, it kind of did go under the radar, um, and I picked this up a long time ago on a Steam sale, um, but because of my PC troubles, I hadn't had the opportunity to play it. Um, oh wait, I, you played a real game on your PC? I did, The landmark event. <laughs> and because of the, um, because of the graphics card you gave me, it looks really good. Mm. I mean, it's such a, a, a graphical improvement from my previous card to, to this one. I don't know whether that's just because of, you know, sort of tinted glasses that I'm seeing such an improvement in sort of graphical fidelity on the games that I'm playing. Yeah. That I think it looks really good. Yeah. One of the things I heard that was really good about Mad Max, you just had the sand dunes look and yeah. the vistas yeah. in it. I mean, it, it focuses really heavily on, on the car as a Mad Max game should. There's there's quite a lot of ground combat in there as well, um, very similar to the style of the uh, Batman Arkham games. You know, you've got your counter and your sort of combo attacks. But it, it really is the car and the world which kind of make the game. I'd, I'd had a bit of a lull after Horizon and thought, actually, open world games kind of aren't... I don't feel that they're going to really do it for me at the moment. But Mad Max, yes, it is an open world game, but... You're not moving between from point to point almost. Mm. The car and the world and how you move between the points is really the main focus. As you say, Lucy, the the with the world, the sand dunes and as you're sort of cresting a hill and you can see a huge smoke plume or dust plume in the distance where you know there's a convoy sort of going along its route. You can't see any of the cars at all, but just over the distance you just see this huge dust plume. And you know you can kind of go over there and do some of the car combat and and try and have some fun with with that. It 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 kind of almost everywhere you drive and everywhere you turn, there's there's something new to look at. And some of the effects where they've really tried to make it so you can see the heat haze yeah. coming off of the ground, so things in the distance are blurry. You can't focus in on them too much. Um, you have binoculars as well, and even with that, it's it's kind of difficult to be able to sort of focus in on something and really see exactly what's going on. You can make out, you know, 
make out well enough the shapes to know, okay, I can see that that's a sniper in his tower and that's where this guy is and that's where this guy is. Um, but it's, it's just fun to explore mm. as well. Um, and to do so in the car, it really does focus on that element of it, really. Um, I mean, you know, the, the ground combat mechanics aren't as tight, maybe, as Arkham. They're not quite as, as quick. They're not quite as fluid as, as an Arkham game. But I think they've, they've not focused in on that sort of element. Yeah, it's more about the kind of gone, yeah, and we the can, combat. Yes, yeah, completely. Right. And there's, a, you know, a lot of it is about upgrading the car, making the engine better, making, putting armor on the car, uh, and essentially building what are called Archangel models. So you collect and build a certain sort of kit, essentially, which will give you a version of an Archangel car, which you need for certain missions and things like that. So they've not just used it as a mechanic and a, and a fun mechanic to get around the world and to have a a little bit of difference. They've really put it into the story as well. That the story is about building the car up to be able to um, to achieve your sort of your goals. So it it really does revolve around that. And mechanically, I think driving is actually pretty good. It was a little difficult to kind of get to grips with, essentially because you're driving across a lot of sand and dirt, and I was sliding all over the place. And it it, it feels like that. It really does. You get onto a rocky area, and it's it's more difficult to drive. It's the car slows down very slightly. You you can sort of feel it going over these ridges, uh, and then you get onto a sand dune and you you crest over one, and it's really slow going up a sand dune. But yeah. once you get onto the other side, you sort of almost coast down it, and it just it it, it feels right. And I think they've really done well with the with the car mechanics, and that you know that is the selling point almost. So is it the real car PG? That we all wanted from the yeah. crew, but didn't get. <laughs> I'm sure those came what are you talking series. about? The crew. No, the crew came out. The crew came out. I think the year before. Because I think the, I think Wild Run came out around then. Though, mm. The their biggest paid DLC up until the Hot Pursuit one or whatever they called the cop one. <laughs> I know you played a little bit of the crew, didn't you, Adam? I didn't. I didn't play much of it at all, so I don't really know what the mechanics and the the driving are like, but. I mean, I've only the only other arcadey uh, open world racer. I think yeah. if you, if you, it's much like, well, it's an Ubisoft game. So if you have friends <laughs> who play it, it it can be quite fun. Uh, it has it's Ghost Recon Wildlands very much has the steals the online model of like joining people on the fly, but not really not persistently playing with them and sort of your 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 sort of server shards just sort of meld when you decide to play with each other and you can help each other out in races or whatever and then go on your merry way mm. and of course there's you know you're you're defeating a gang with several gang bosses across different regions and then yeah uh listen to uh the on the test test uh on ghost recon wildlands to hear the more detailed version of that ball yes that i was yes. just saying um, i mean uh, it, mechanically it is one of the better Sort of arcadey driving experiences. Um, you know, the, as I was about to say, I think the only thing I've got recently, which is sort of a driving game, is Drive Club, which I played recently, which is not arcadey. It's much more sort of simulation driving. Um, so 
to kind of bounce around a little bit in Mad Max does feel nice. Um, it's much better than say like GTA driving yeah. or Watch Dogs or something like that. It's you know it's it doesn't follow the standard kind of open world driving mechanics. They, as I say, they've really focused in on it to, to really sell the game, and that's what Mad Max is about essentially. Right, it's an angry guy driving around the desert looking for fuel One to avenge his family. Mm. Thunderdome. Is it in the game? I've not encountered Tina Turner yet. <laughs> Um, if Tina Turner was in that game, that would have sold it to me. I would have bought it two years ago. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, the map is is quite large. It's, it's larger than I thought it would be, but you know, there's huge expanses of nothingness of desert. So it's going to be a large map because you can whip across it quite quickly. I've only uncovered the first two areas. Uh, well, I, I say the first two areas. The first two. Areas which a warlord sits over. Each area is kind of made up of four smaller sectors, almost. But up in the top right of the map, there is a very small area which doesn't seem to be governed or controlled by any of the bosses that you encounter, um, which does sort of have some kind of stadium-esque sketch on the map. So whether it's the Thunderdome... It's it's going to be the Thunderdome, isn't it? I hope so. Yeah. What's this I don't know what psychic else. like? What's his name? Chumbucket or? Chumbucket, yeah. Um, What's he like? Because all I remember is that he had a very annoying voice from like the trailer. He does have a very annoying voice. Mm. He kind of reminds me of the, uh, the hunchback character from 300. Yeah. Like, wants to help, wants to assist, uh, you know, makes the odd comical comment every now and again. Um, essentially, he is the mechanic and he does up the car for you. Um, but whilst you're driving around, he actually sits in the back of the car hmm. and operates the harpoon. Oh, okay. You still aim where you want the, the harpoon to go. Yeah. He is just what they show the animation for the firing of the harpoon for, essentially. Um, and, he, and he just provides sort of comic relief, a little bit of flavour text as you're driving around. Um, that can change. You can actually get into a, a different vehicle and have uh, a dog oh, in the okay. back who you encounter wow. towards the beginning. And the dog gives you a little bit something different and he will find minefields and you can go and collect materials and, and essentially disarm mines, which bring down the threat level of the boss in the yeah. area. And those types of sort of, uh, you know, that kind of open world yeah. rote Sort of side mission yeah. type thing. Can you get a kind of rotate? Can you get a Tina Turner companion? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you can. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether that was in the version that I uh, that I picked up. Um, Tina Turner DLC would kind of just be a, a, an instant buy, wouldn't it? For me, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, you get her entire back catalogue with it as well. <laughs> So you're fine. You can just listen to her constantly as you're driving around the dunes. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've only uh, stuck a few hours into it so far, and it opened up pretty quickly, which I was quite happy with. You know, I didn't have to do hours and hours of, um, you know, just in the first area. Essentially, you can at least the first two areas. You can kind of just drive where you want. The mission I'm about to go on is to assault a gate which would essentially allow me access into the third and fourth areas. So it, it's kind of a limited open world and will open up a little bit more, but it's it's 
big to start off with almost from the off about an hour or two into the game it sort of opened up straight away so i'm enjoying it very much yeah. um it's it's a nice change of pace to something like horizon mm. and it's a nice change of pace to you know to to wolfenstein a completely different game but it's 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 very good uh, and it's as Adam was saying it's one that a lot of people overlooked it's definitely yeah, one it's i shame, overlooked really. yeah. and it is a shame it is a shame i think it would have been one that i'd have really got behind if I'd have, you know, picked it up from the uh, launch, so it was just bad timing because it came out a, a few months after the film. I know it has no relation exactly to yes. Fury Road, but you know, even so, people were like, "Oh, that was a great film," and just saw Mad Max in blockbuster R.A.P. and just were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'll pick that up or rent it or something like that." But yeah, and then yeah, it just completely. came out same same day as Metal Gear or whatever. It's just bad timing. But and yeah, I don't think it had much much push when it came out either. No, yeah. I saw the occasional advert on like a, a on a bus stop or something like that, but that was about it. I wasn't really hearing about it on on many sort of podcasts. You know, you get the occasional person who would chat about it. You don't see it on the sort of the size of a bus. Uh, the the film had been promoted quite heavily, as you say, Lucy, a couple of months beforehand. So, is it the same studio as? Just Cause guys, Avalanche or it's was it Avalanche, yeah, A team and B team or something like that. Or I don't know because I think there's two hmm. Avalanche studios. I think there's a, one who used to work on Disney Infinity. I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. Maybe yeah. I'll um, we'll insert something here. Or it might have been different. Pub- publisher was Mad Max Warner Bros and Mad Max was Warner Brothers and yeah just that's right. Square Enix so yeah that's right yeah. I don't know who knows who knows but yeah shame really yeah yeah um right that's probably me on Mad Max as I say I'm gonna be playing it more I'll have more to chat about at another point whether I'll get back on the PC I'm, I'm not sure I smashed my shoulder in this week so I've had a bit of time off work and a little bit of free time to actually sit at the at the PC and play some games. Not in my normal kind of evening games, sort of sit in front of the TV, play the PS4 sort of session. So when that's going to come about again, I do not know. But I'll report back once I've finished it, let you know what it was like. I think we should jump to Adol, who should tell us what he's been playing, because I think it's going to be really short, because you've been doing a lot of travelling. <laughs> yes, I have. I... Didn't I got bored with playing games on my phone? Deleted those. <laughs> Just deleted them. Oh yeah. yeah. Except Super Hexagon. Yeah. Smart <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, which to be fair, I almost never turn on. I just like the idea that it's there. Yeah. But I don't like the touch. I, I, I'm just. I I like buttons. I like tactile responses for that yeah. switchy mm. uh, game. But yeah, 2048, I just find myself like going to the random games I had on there just because they were there. And I have now that my brain's working a little better, it's like, oh, I'd rather just sit down and play a game properly or do something else. So that sort of, oh, I'm vacant and don't want to deal with anything feeling that is what was really pushing me towards a lot of mobile gaming. And I just, I don't have that pull anymore, mm. I guess. Yeah, nice, nice. Which, and things like, wanting to play The Witcher 3, which I've been avoiding because it seemed so daunting, so, so huge. My brain's finally like, just start the damn games that you want to play and don't worry about if you finish them in seven years or never finish them. And and that's another sign of, oh yeah, I'm, I'm less in the like doldrums of just picking things that are very easy to pick up and put down really quickly. 
Yeah. So uh, yeah. I have played nothing really at all. Well, that's um, except I did turn on the PS3 here at my sister's place, and I played some Katamari. Oh, okay. I have oh, that yeah. on PSN, so I downloaded it. Okay, the PS2 version of Katamari Damashi, and it's still just as fun. Yeah. But man, did DualShock 3 suck balls. Oh my god, they are <laughs> awful. I mean, I've had this discussion plenty of times with you, like, yes, but yes. what a garbage controller, man. Yeah, so to be fair, I actually start, downloaded the Alien whatever PSN game that is for April, which is a first-person shooter, but the DualShock, maybe it was last month. The DualShock 3, yeah, because who looks at the PS3 givings, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you can't change the fact that it's L1, R1 for aim and shoot instead oh, of R2, oh, on the butt, R2. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, and the sticks are garbage, and I was like, ugh. That uh, controller like, gives well, me nightmares. I yeah, actually wake up in like, a cold sweat just thinking uh, about it. It's <laughs> awful. It's awful. Yeah, and I was just like, nope, this, like, the gameplay was mediocre. Like, it just felt like a generic shooter, which was kind of what I wanted to play. And I was like, nope, can't handle this. Uh, oh, look, I installed Katamari a year and a half ago, last time I was in this house. Awesome. I'll play this. Yeah. Good choice. But nice. I don't need to talk much about it, except that it's just as good and just as fun. Nice. Wasn't it Killzone or Resistance, one of the really early PS3 games, which changed up the um, the fire, the aim and fire buttons and brought them towards the front, and then sort of all PS3 games kind of had that as their standard setup for some reason. And it wasn't really until PS4 that it kind of jumped back to the um, to the rear buttons. Yeah. 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 I think Killzone when I played it on PS Now it was L1 R1 instead of L2 R2, and it yeah. was like, ugh, forget this. Backwards, man. That's what you play on Vita because it has no triggers. So like, yeah, come on there. Oh, at least the Jill yeah. was much better. Much much better. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's no Steam troller. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's 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 good for you, man. About you know getting the the mobile games off your phone and thinking that you want to sort of sit down and kind of play a, a, a bigger game and just get yourself into something. I've had this this thing for for a few years now where I'll play something like The Witcher and I will play it and play it and play it until I have finished it. Mm. There's not many games that I pick up now that I don't finish. Um, which seems crazy because, you know, The Witcher, I've got something like 150, 180 hours in. Oh you know, with the with the expansions, you know, it's going to be close to 200 hours on that game over the last, what, uh, 18 months that it's been, yep. that it's been released. Um, I suppose most of those within the first three months of release until Metal Gear came out, actually. Um, so, you know, it, it's one that, that is definitely a game that you should sort of try and see through, even if you don't do all of the side missions and all the Witcher contracts. If it's just sort of the storyline that you're going to be playing through, and just to experience that, that it's 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 great. This is part of my problem is I'm a completionist, and so Same yeah, here. yeah. Uh, one of the things that kept me away from Hitman, uh, Lucy's favorite game of last year, was the fact that I really wanted to play through all all of them. I hadn't actually done that before, but also. I just the idea of like trying to like hundred percent a level before the next level came out was was daunting enough to even start. Mm. Yeah, and I'm I'm my my um, mid year resolution is to fight my completionist tendencies and just 
be okay with being a little more ADHD about games versus OCD. Yeah. And, and just like flit about them. Mm. I'm going to really try and just be like, so like Horizon might take me a little longer to finish because I might flit to something else. Yeah. But I, I think that's probably more healthy than not playing games because yeah. <laughs> of the OCD thing. It is, it is. Because I switch yeah. from that mentality, like I have to complete everything. I was completing just even garbage games, which... I shouldn't have, so I was just like, you know, if I'm not enjoying it, I will just put it down nowadays. And the thing is, yeah, Witch 3 just seems daunting. It's, you, you know, you put 200 hours, well, you will have put 200 hours yeah, into that yeah. then. But what's crazy is that The Witcher 3 seems daunting to me, yet I've put like, probably over 200 hours into Hitman at this point, so it's just, it's just strange. It's just strange how it's the brain works. The concept of Hitman isn't a 200 hour game, right? Yeah. It's just you can. And what I, uh, the problem is, you see that 200 hours, and it feels like, oh god, that's a lot. Forgetting that the pe- recent people have put 200 hours into The Witchers because they just are having a really good time. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same as it's the same as Hitman, isn't it? You you only yeah. put that amount of time in because you enjoy playing it. It's it's a little bit different with you know The Witcher, which has say a 30 or 40 hour story. Yeah. Right. With then all of the additional sort of side missions. Versus Hitman, which actually you can probably blast through in kind of three or four yeah, it's, few it's, hours it's sort of sitting. It's easy to pick up. Yeah, it hasn't got all these yeah, layered yeah. systems. It hasn't got a narrative as much as some people think it does. It, Hitman doesn't have a narrative, so it's it, it, yeah, it's much it's less daunting and it's more approachable if you ha- if you're coming back to play it after several months, what rather than yeah, the it's, Witcher, it's, you just be completely that, lost like any RPG. That's true. Honest, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was actually it was quite good for me to play that game and finish it, knowing that I had a very limited budget that summer, that Metal Gear would be my next game. It kind of put a limit on how long I was going to play it for. It just happened that I think I finished it a, a week or two before Metal Gear came out. And having that huge break and actually playing the two expansion packs at the start of this year, so, you know, a, a big chunk of time between picking it up. But had I have stopped, say you know, a few hours before the end of the game and you jump back in and you're not at a, an easy jumping in point, yeah. it might have been a little more difficult to kind of pick back up. And, you know, the the enemies that you fight at the start of the first expansion are quite easy for that exact reason to ease you back into the combat because the Witcher combat was a little difficult, a little hard for a lot of people to pick up. It was one of the main criticisms about the game. So... There is an easy mode, I think, for combat. So if you're finding it hard, when you get around to it, Adol and Lucy, you should both yeah, I'd definitely put it on easy. I started it, um, and I saw why people love it so much. It crashed on me. I mean, that's not a you know criticism of the game. I mean, it's huge, and could, any reason could have been for that. But I just never went back to it. So what uh, platform the, do you have it on? It was on Xbox. So. You know, crash whatever it is. That happens. Yeah, it's, but it's just like it, it, I stopped it then because of that reason, and then I just never went back to it. So yeah, not because of the crash, just because I just you know, hundred hours. It's like I have to be in a certain mood <laughs> to play an RPG anyway. That only comes around once every ten years for me. So mm, yeah, mm. No, that's fair. I mean, it's one of those games that kind of gets a little bit of a pass for it's not not buggy nature. But you did have the occasional sort of screen tear or 
roach the horse would be up a tree <laughs> yeah. or would walk you know, you know yeah. you'd you'd get people walking across cutscenes so and they just stand in front of both characters so you just you know because they're dynamic characters that are oh, just walking around they don't have a set path as such um, and they'd get in the way you know it's it's often one of the criticisms thrown at sort of Bethesda games yeah. that there's these kind of very small glitches um, that occur sort of naturally as you're kind of playing the game you know you will just clip through a wall or something. But the depth of that game, it's, it's understandable and, you know, that's fine. You know, I don't mind. It's not, if it's something that's, you know, a two hour indie game, it's crashing all the time. It's a different story, but something. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, 100 hour RPG with such a depth and scope that game has, understandable. So I wasn't angry at it crashing. It's just, I, you know, I couldn't be bothered to put it back on. Just never went right. Back. It's a desert yeah, island game. Just need to wait until I'm stranded on that desert island. Yeah. <laughs> when you have the rest of eternity to be able to play it, yes. Well, the same thing happened to me with Skyrim. I, I was super, like, chuffed, sorry, chuffed, excited um, to to play it. And then I kind of just, when I heard about people who were just playing it for a million years and they had dynamic quests being procedurally generated or whatever, so you could never really run out of content, I was like, ah! Mm. <laughs> I like Skyrim, which is weird because I hate those fantasy games. I really don't like RPGs, but I enjoyed Skyrim. Don't know why, but hey, there you go. Uh, having said that, there are a few. I, I have played around with mods in Skyrim to make use of the fact that it's been a million years since it came out for me to to play it because I, I got it on a PC and I got the special edition free because that's what they did to PC people. Yes. That was a lovely yes. nod. But the the best mod I've ever seen, and I've seen a couple different modders use it, is there is a mod that changes all the dragons to various ca- characters from Thomas the Tank Engine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Including the train whistles for the roars. Nice. <laughs> so, like, the, the surreal but, like, foreboding noise of a train whistle <laughs> instead yeah. of a roar. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and there's Percy trying to kill you. <laughs> nice, nice. That seems comical. Oh yeah. So my plan is to have, make the most immersive set of mods, well, better reacting animals, variety of flora and fauna, and uh, you know, there's a bunch of water and weather ones, and then that one, cartoon train. Nice, nice. Let's open up another beer. Sounds good to me. I think it's about time. Adol, jump to you first again. What is your second beard of the evening? Uh, it is the Blackbridge Brewery Rye Ale. So this is a Saskatchewan uh, brewery. Blackbridge is in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. And it is beer born in wide open spaces. Our philosophies are simple. Complete disclosure and honesty in business. How we make our beer and where ingredients come from. We believe... Strongly in not compromising our beer for profit ever, and we will strive to foster a culture of appreciation for finely crafted beer. And then this beer was made to celebrate not only the opening of BBB, but to commemorate, commemorate good lord, commemorate the city of Swift Current's 100-year anniversary. Dry hopped with centennial hops, balanced by a light grainy malt character with aromas of juicy citrus and light pine notes. This beer pours a golden orange color. When possible, please enjoy... Our beer from a glass to experience it fully. Recommended serving temperature, 45 degrees Fahrenheit. Ooh, serving temperature, nice. 
Also weird because we're not a Fahrenheit country. Celsius. Oh, really? The Celsius yeah. as well. That's odd. Do you think they they ship over to the states to uh, the United States well, of America? I can't remember. Maybe it's that most fridges just have like one to nine or whatever, but it's possible that the ones that actually have a temperature they're, they're probably in Fahrenheit because we get them from the states. Yeah, sure, sure, that makes sense. Lucy, what are you drinking? I am drinking White Noise, which is a white beer from the Yeasty Boys down in Australia. It's 4.4%, and it says a delicate session strength beer with hints of orange blossom, coconut, vanilla, and a refreshingly clean finish. Ooh. Ooh. Fancy. I'm not a fan of coconut. Oh, yeah, I remember you saying. Yeah, what? I tried I tried the, um, the Brewdog Self-Assembly Pope, oh. which was a coconut-flavoured... Uh, what was it? That might have been a, a red IPA, but I just I I had maybe a third of it and thought, no, I'm I'm just drinking this for the sake of drinking it. I really didn't get on with the, you know, it, it tasted like a bounty. It had chocolatey notes. <laughs> yeah. It was coconutty, and I just didn't didn't like it. But like, was it was it that that bounty fake coconut taste, or do you not discern? Do you just hate all coconut taste? I just I don't discern. I'm just not a fan of, of that coconutty kind of, of flavor. Texture. How does it taste, Lucy? Is the does the coconut kick through? Not really. Okay. To be honest, um, I'm getting more. You know what it said on the bottle: vanilla, coconut, orange blossom, in the aroma, but. It's very light on the aroma, and I can't really get it through on the taste. It tastes a bit watery, actually. Let me have another sip. It's very light. It does have a very clean finish, as it suggested. Not really any hops in it. It's, mm. There's not really much to it, to be honest. Usually when you get in like, white beer or something like that, or, or whipped beer or something similar, you're getting you know, a sweetness, a bit more strong. You know, textures, flavour to it, but it's not really much anything to this, so a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. And the Easy Boys were, you know, brewery I really like, so. Yeah, yeah, Seems I almost like picked up one of the, the digital something today. Digital some... IPA, yeah, yeah. That yes. was alright, that yeah. was alright, but yeah, I'd, I'd pass on this one, it's not, it's not their best. Oh, mm. oh, that's a shame. Maybe it'll grow a little on you, hopefully, if only for the sake of we'll see. your palate being entertained. <laughs> yes. What do you got there, Ben? I have got uh, a new beer from Lost and Grounded. Ooh. I say new beer. I think it's been out for several weeks now. Yeah. Um, it is the it is the Apophenia, which is a triple. Oh. Um, eight point eight percent. I would assume it's been brewed in a sort of a Belgian style. Um, it's quite floral on the nose, and and taste wise, it's an odd taste for a triple it doesn't it, it's i don't know it's almost got this kind of like lagery kind of pill hmm. flavor to it hmm. um it's like is it a nuttiness that sort of nuttiness that comes with lagers it, it is it is it's kind of a nuttiness maybe maybe kind of like a piney sort of uh, yeah like a roasted nuttiness to it Ooh, which is nice and it's it's a little dry. There's not very much bitterness to it, and again, probably about as dry as the day. So it's it's going to be drank quite quickly. Yeah. Um, but as I say, it's an eight point eight percent. Oh, gee. Um, 
so hopefully I don't drink it too quickly. <laughs> but we'll see. We shall see. You know, Lost and Grounded, one that we've had a, a few different beers from uh, and always enjoyed. Um, they're No Rest for Dancers. They're, um, they're red. Yeah. Is that a red rye? Oh, what, is it red or is it just a red ale? Like, is it a rye? Sorry, I think it's just a red ale. Okay. One of those. That's a very good beer. I mean, this one's nice and it may grow on me, but it, it's kind of almost very much a, a one note kind of beer. It is that, that right. sort of that pill, that, that roasted sort of nuttiness that kind of really is the, the be all and end all in this beer. Adol, how does yours taste? It's really quite excellent. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, but it's not too strong a nose, and that sort of led me to think, okay, it'll be, you know, a reasonable rye ale, so it'll have some sort of that the, that more multi-character you get off with rye, but, you know, it'll be very standard. Oh, also, it's 5.3%, and the mm. farmery, I think, was 5%, yeah. Okay. But the... But it, it has a little bit of the citrus that the claims, but honestly, um, the pine notes come out in the flavor more so than I think in the aroma. Uh, just that sort of, I don't know if you ever did this growing up around pine trees all the time, but actually eating a pine, take like a quarter of that punch, but that the character of that sort of hit of, of that, that pine zing is, is in there, but not super strong, but noticeably. Right. Yeah. Okay. And you've got that sort of sort of round maltiness that comes from rye. Yeah. And the citrus uh, is I think more in the um the nose, but on the on the on the finish it's just got a slight very vague sort of not quite ripe tangerine sort of note to it. Oh yeah. It's a very soft yeah. citrus note. But it's just hmm. it's that I think they called it spicy in the flavor text or maybe just on the can, but that, that spiciness is very much along the pine no- note and it works mm. really mm. well with the rye maltiness. And it finishes soft, but uh, but like so, just a light bitterness, but just a really long. It's uh, yeah. So it's it, it, it's there twenty twenty thirty seconds later, not too strong, but definite. And you know the bitterness is just is light, so just more of that general flavor that's just sitting there. It's really quite tasty. Nice, nice, good, excellent. Let's enjoy these, and we will jump to you, Lucy. Have you had a chance to play much this week? Apart from Horizon? I've seen you. I've seen you playing Horizon. <laughs> yeah, I, I finished it and it's quite bittersweet because, man, I love that game and it's going to mm. be my game of the year. I, I don't care how good Red Dead is. And if I do get around to playing Zelda, it doesn't have robot dinosaurs in it, so let's be real. <laughs> Horizon's going to be my game of the year. It's such a fantastic game. And it's April. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. It's funny how best games of the year always come out in March, like Horizon, and last year was Hitman, so, you know, there's a pattern to this. <laughs> I mean, I could talk about Horizon till you know... Till dawn? Cows come home, but... Ah, well done. That's a good one. <laughs> but nice. for you, a deal like it. I don't want to ruin it for you, so... Could maybe once you finish it, maybe talk about it a bit more in depth, maybe. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I won't dwell too much on that. But I did get around to playing and finishing Snake Pass, and I bought that on oh. Nintendo Switch. Which is the thing is, is that 
because I love that Nintendo Switch so so much, the form factor and just the portability of it. I find myself just buying games for it, <laughs> and I never mm. buy games for it, you know, day one anyway. So it's quite strange. But I bought Snake Pass pretty much a couple of days after it came out, and got around to playing it. It's it's a it's a fun game. I finished it. Um, it's probably it probably takes you probably. About six hours to complete. There's about fifteen. Okay, so it's le- not long. Yeah, yeah. There's fifteen levels to it, but if you're, you know, completionist, there's a few collectibles to find in every world. It'll probably, you know, add to your playtime. I've been going back and just picking up a few extra things, but I don't think um, I'll complete complete a hundred percent. But uh, yeah, for those who don't know, it's sort of a. I don't know. Would you call it a platformer? It's sort of three D physics platforming game where you actually play as a snake so obviously snakes can't run and jump so instead of doing that you actually control it by slivering along like a snake and um, how do, how does that actually work are you are you using the like the directional pad just to move forward and stuff or have you actually got to control the the sort of the, the snake like movement yeah uh, it, the control scheme is quite intuitive so basically i mean this is nintendo switch controls Right. I'm sure it's pretty much the same as PlayStation and Xbox. I don't know if it's on PC, but you use the trigger. I think it's the right trigger. So, like, you know, like in a driving game, you use the right trigger right. to accelerate the car. So you use that to um, move the snake forward. To gain, you know, enough speed, you have to go in a slivering path. You can't just go straight forward. You have to mm. slam them along and stuff like that to gain speed you can basically a lot of the platforming elements is wrapping yourself around bamboo uh, sticks to reach higher places or reach places you know more lateral to you or something like that yeah and you can use the i think it's a left trigger to wrap wrap tightly around it and you can use the a button to lift your head so if you're going up a bamboo tree you're sort of manipulating all these controls. You're lifting your head to go upwards whilst also using the right trigger to gain speed to wrap yourself around it. And mm. to make sure that you don't fall off, you have to use the left trigger to, to grip as well. So, Is it almost got that same kind of feel as, was it last week you were talking about Manuel Samuel, where you've got a yeah. load of mm. different things going on and you've got to try and control all of these different things to actually progress and yeah and... kind of um i think manual summon is a lot more complicated and yes. that's the design of the game whereas this is it wants you to pick up the controls pretty quickly but at times you are you know manipulating more than one control etc etc but mm. you get used to it pretty quickly and going back to levels that i've already completed picking up collectibles it's surprising how you know deft i felt getting those collectibles and how much my skills have been improved going over the entire game, etc. So yeah. it is something that you you feel you're getting better at as you go throughout the game. But but yeah, it's it's it's, it's a nice. I wouldn't say it's relaxing because some of the you know once you're looking over a cliff face, you know, about to drop to your death trying to get a collectible, <laughs> and you're just grabbing on for dear life with the left trigger. It gets a bit, you know, it's a bit nerve wracking, but um, yeah, and it gets it has its challenge, but otherwise, it, it is quite a relaxing thing, especially to play on like the Nintendo Switch. You just sit back, relax, play that game. Basically, each level 
you have to get three gems in order to progress to the next level, otherwise it won't unlock. But there's also coins you connect, can collect in these bubbles or something like that, but those are optional, but you have to always get the three gems. And it's all about, you know, traversing, you know, the spike pits or sometimes the winds that will blow you off into the abyss and stuff like that, so it, it's fun. It, it has its problems. Um, the camera isn't as dynamic as it should be sometimes. Yeah. When you're in a tricky spot, you have to manipulate the camera by using the joystick. Whereas you're thinking, this is a platformer. Wherever I am in, in respect to the world and where I'm going and what I'm doing, the camera should map to that, but it doesn't always do that. Mm. So that's a big problem, but it's something that you can get around, even though sometimes I've died because the camera just didn't do it. And whilst all my fingers are on the essential buttons that I need to press, having to use an extra you know, finger to move the camera around, I would lose my grip and just fall to my death. So yeah, that would be fun. right, yeah. But, <laughs> and also the checkpoint system. Um, the checkpoints are too few and far between. If you if you die, any collectibles that you've collected, you know, before you've reached a checkpoint, they just disappear and you have to collect them again. So you're less... The, it, it doesn't incentivize you to, you know risk going for a collectible or because because sometimes you have to pull out some pretty crazy moves and sometimes it is just a fluke rather than your skill that yeah. can get you that collectible and if you lose it and you have to do that all over again sometimes you just think nah forget it i'm just going to move on but it's, an, it's an odd choice because a mm. lot of games these days once you've collected it that's it yeah but i can see why they they've done that because if you if you if you're just because sometimes you can gain enough momentum and get quite a bit of a leap if you're jumping off like a platform. Yeah. You can sort of, you know, game the system and just, you know, get enough speed, leap off, and land somewhere where you shouldn't be, and then maybe mm. get that collectible or something. So, realistically, I could just throw myself off a cliff and get that collectible. If it's saved right there and then, it's not, I haven't. You know, I haven't done what the game wanted me to do. Right. Yeah, you've not you've not mm. done the puzzle as such yeah. that they'd that they'd laid out to exactly. be able to gain that collectible, yeah. So what I thought should have been better is as soon as you hit land and you're you're stationary, that's when it should sort of bank the collectible, which should have a, you know, also say once you're still and on land or something like that, but yeah, or you're better. back on the main path or something. You've, yeah. you've you've got down to the collectible and then you've made your way back to the 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 main route that you're sort of taking and that's when it yeah that's when it decides that you've collected it as such exactly because um like another game that I was just playing recently as an example to that was uh, Rayman Origins and in the collectibles yeah. in that once you get the collectible once you you've passed like the the immediate obstacles and sort of back on plain land it banks that collectible for you mm. so I thought you know why can't Snake Pass do that but Despite those two little, you know, niggling issues, it's a, it's, it's a good game. It's it's fun. You get, you get your money's worth for it. I think it's about fifteen pounds, fifteen levels. I was just yeah. gonna, yeah, I was just gonna ask. You yeah. said it was about a six hour-ish game. Yeah, six eight hours. Yeah, yeah, fifteen pounds. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's quite. Especially if that's it, what did it release two weeks ago? Maybe a week yeah, ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. And I think it hit the charts in the European. 
Yeah, I think it hit the top of the charts in European eShop charts or whatever, which is no yeah. surprise mm. because when there's no games for your system, <laughs> everyone's going to be clamoring to buy it. And I think good good for them. It's made by Sumo Digital. It's like it's a good game. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's like it, it's it little big planet people, isn't it? Sumo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I think little big planet free. Yeah, and yes. maybe. One, I don't know, but yeah, it's like whichever indie indies are getting out right now for the Switch, it's the best probably decision they've ever made because those games are going to sell, you know, because people are clamoring for games on um, yeah. Switch. But you know, there's there's a game out that came out on Thursday. I think it's called Graceful Explosion Machine, which is like a shoot 'em up. It's like, I'm probably going to buy it. It's £10. It looks fun. <laughs> I probably would never have bought it full price or, or you know, probably wouldn't have <laughs> bought it at all. It's like... Yeah, yeah I, it's, it's one Switch of those that with, with the Switch, I, I know a lot of people have been buying uh, The Binding of Isaac. Yeah. Which is years old and is on absolutely everything <laughs> yeah. else. And benefits but, not at all with the control scheme. Well, exactly, but because yeah. there's not that much on the Switch and people enjoy that game, they've been picking it up on yeah. the Switch. And why not? I mean, these indie games are really good, so why not get that little bit more revenue? Yeah, so. yeah. And having good said that, them, I totally started playing Binding of Isaac on my laptop on the 45-minute flight from Calgary to Saskatoon, and then I realized that this might not be the best thing to be playing with the 70-year-old <laughs> woman beside me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, this. I, I know why I have the right to do this, but this is just yeah. too much blood, and yeah. uh, like, yeah. it's just. It's gonna be like the children yeah, of everywhere. video games. Yeah. Except, look at me, I'm not she's exactly gonna, a children of video games. Child. Yeah. Those damn kids. <laughs> yeah, she will. Good. Let's let's finish there for this week. We had discussed having a little conversation about 4K and and a few other things, but we may leave that until next week when we've got a little more time to jump into. So let's go to favourite beers because we've started with you all evening, Adol. We're going to come to you first. The two beers you had: the Farmers and then the Black Ridge. No, it's the Farmery from Manitoba. Oh, the Farmery, right? And the Black. Bridge Brewery, BBB. Ah, uh-huh, Black Bridge. Yeah, you're close. Good. Thank you. The Rye Ale from Black Bridge Brewery clearly is uh, a, a more interesting beer. I have to say, the Farmery, if you wanted just a, a good old farmer common sense beer, as they describe it, it's great. As a pale ale for like pre- pretty much any season, I think it does all the things you want from a pale ale. But yeah. that's its selling point is that it's sort of, it, it hits all the right points generically and like it's not super exciting outside of that so i mean if mm. you just want a steady beer for you know for the day-to-day that's that's your your bet while the rye ale from blackbridge um super interesting uh i've had a few rye ales in the past few months and this one definitely had more going on than just the rye like i yeah. said that sort of that um, light citrus and that piney spiciness uh, really extended the the sort of roundness of the malt that that the rye gives, and it's super super tasty, and also bitter but not too drying out, which is a, sort of one of my favorite types of finish. So easily nice. the Blackfish Brewery. Excellent, Lucy. I think I know which one you're going to pick, but for the listeners, which yeah, one was, was your the favorite? Blackbird from Brussels Beer Project. Um, 
the yeasty boys, the the white noise. Um, best it hasn't grown on me a deal, unfortunately, as we've been talking. But best thing I can say for this beer is probably it's something like a transition beer, something that we get Mister Adam Thomas to drink from. So yeah, getting off his uh, uh, yeah. carlings, even though he hates beer in general, and then yeah, getting off his iron Introducing to craft beer, but yeah, not much, not many other positives to say about that. So yeah, Blackbird, okay. Okay. Uh, Brussels Beer Project. It's a black rye saison, which is weird in itself, but it works. It's um, yeah, it's it's an enigma, but. It's got maltiness, it's got the, you know, spiciness of a saison. Um, yeah, it looks mm. like a stag, so. Best of both worlds. Nice, you're getting yeah. about ten different beers in one there. I'm, I'm going to go with the Dea, with the first beer. I mean, <laughs> a, a, yeah, a, a triple, essentially, is a, a pale ale, isn't it? It's just a, a, a Belgian sort of take on a pale ale. But the, the Apophenia from Lost and Grounded, it is growing on me, definitely. I'm kind of getting a little more from it now than I was at the start. Obviously, the day I was kind of influencing this a little bit, but it's still, you know, that that nutty, sort of almost almost pill lagery kind of of flavour. But the day I was, it was the the, the steady rolling man was steady. You get a lot of flavour. You get a nice combination of hops in there. Both on the nose and in the flavour, it's it's just a very it's good beer. beer. Um, the the first air I've had as well, so it's a it's a good impression from those guys, definitely. And as Lucy said, you said it's um they've been yeah. popping up a lot more in sort of beer circles. They've been talked about quite a lot. Um, they're definitely yeah. a, a rising watch. brewery, so one that will probably you know. Hopefully, when you're back in the UK, Adel, one that we'll um, we'll pick up and we can share. Um, get Lucy to have the same beer, hopefully, and and discuss. Uh, but yeah, yeah, a very good, very good first impression from those guys. Excellent. So, beers are done, games are done. All that is left is to tell everybody how they can talk to us, which we do every week in this fashion, Adel. When people want to get hold of you, they can do so at the OmniArc on Twitter. Correct. And I understand from last week that it is exactly the same everywhere else on all of the things. Yeah, just from last week you understand this. You, <laughs> yeah, normally you pay fuck Only all attention to what I say. It just happens <laughs> that you tuned in uh, this time around. And uh, if they wanted to get a hold of you on almost all of the things, they would message you at Nova underscore 47. Unless it's not Twitter, then you're the at. And if it's Steam, exactly. then uh, append who stole my name to Nova underscore 47. Perfect. Perfect for me. Lucy. You can reach me at BeerResistible underscore or at Indie Marathon on Twitter. And if you want to play, I don't know, I'm never going to play a multiplayer game with you, but if you'd like to see how many more <laughs> achievements or trophies I have than you, then just add me on Ooh. Juicy Loose 9 on PSN and Xbox. See how they're never going to yeah. catch you on those hitman scoreboards. <laughs> hey, Ben, if they wanted to talk to us as uh, as a group, because they care about uh, saying something to the podcast, how would they do that? 
If you want to talk to all of us, you can do so on Twitter at tankedup underscore cast. You could always send us an email, tankedupcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page. You can go there. We have a YouTube page, which we haven't posted to in a while. But, but, we may have something, something soon. Perhaps. As Sir Mixalot says, I do like big butts. I cannot lie. Also, as we say every week or try to, rate and review us on iTunes because that gets us up on the rankings and more people can, you know, know about us, hear about us, send mails in, etc. Join the conversation as such. Yes, join the conversation, especially when we have topic three weeks like this where there's less of a conversation to have. Um, yeah so please do that that's what podcasts feed on and for all uh, of your other gaming and pop culture needs go to www.outoflives.net we've been tanked up for another week I'm Adil stealing Ben's thunder Kurji goodbye ciao Oh, very good. Ah, that was worth it just to see your face on the Skype. It was. I like it. It was good. It was good. Concise. Concise. Excellent. It's it's almost like we've been doing plugs for like 72 episodes. <laughs>